Good morning, RCC. All right, I love this second service. You guys are awake. Yes, awesome, love it. Um, my name is Ben Seaman, and I serve on staff as the uh, as the lead minister here. And we're excited that uh, you're here. I'm excited to be alive. Uh, last Sunday, I um, went over to a friend's house to watch the Pats play my Bengals. You can laugh. Yeah. And uh, I started shaking uncontrollably, which isn't abnormal being a Bengals fan. And uh, my wife and my friends were making fun of me for wearing my Bengals short sleeve shirt jersey. Come to find out, it was the flu. When you wear a Bengals jersey, you get the flu. So this is my first day of social interaction. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach until I run out of energy or notes, or maybe both. So uh, excited to be here. Uh, I do want to make a note of an email that I sent out to our church this week. It might have been the flu talking, but um, just wanted to remind everybody for your end of year giving for our general fund or your next uh, campaign commitments to please have those postmarked on or before the 31st of December uh, to count for the fourth quarter of uh, 2019. Uh, today we're closing out our Christmas series called Hope for Everyone. Uh, before we head into our Christmas Eve services on Tuesday, which, as Andrew mentioned, I'm really excited about to worship Jesus with you and, and your friends and family. And I really do hope that you, that you will take seriously the invitation to invite a friend or family or a coworker. It, it, is, it is more than Easter, believe it or not. It is the number one service that, if asked, a person is more likely uh, to go to. Now, before I start off, this uh, closing out uh, hope for everyone. I want to ask you guys a question. I have a little quiz here, a little fast food quiz. I've got five fast food restaurants uh, on the screen, and I want to ask you which of the following fast food restaurants has the largest franchise in America? Is it McDonald's, Starbucks, Subway, Pizza Hut, or Burger King? Just yell out your answer. Yeah, the first service thought said McDonald's, which I would have guessed, but come to find out, it's Subway with t- over 24, I know, right, 24,700 stores. I, don't you fact check on the internet? That's what, I, that's what I do, too. Like, how many sandwiches is that? What do they call their employees, sandwich artists? Like, how many sandwich artists would it take, right, to, to make all of those sandwiches? It's, it's amazing what it takes to distribute all of, all of that food, uh, actually of all of the fast food restaurants. Uh, this week I also found out of an, another organization uh, on the Hartford Institute uh, talked about a different, kind of different franchise. And the Hartford Institute estimates that there are 333,000 churches uh, in America. In America. And how are we doing? (laughs) How are we doing? We don't sell uh, salt and fat and saturated fats and Coke and soda, but how are we doing with our mission, right? Do we really believe that there is, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) that's the flu. Uh, Do we really believe, I'm over it. I wouldn't come here if, okay, or would I? (laughs) Um, If I could get some water, that would actually be helpful. Um, And I lost my place. Do we really believe that there is hope for everyone? And I think sometimes in the church, we just kind of forget what we're about. 
And if we're in the church for a long time and we're not inviting friends and we're not baptizing friends or we're not seeing people get baptized or no one's taking next steps, we can kind of just kind of focus inward, can't we? And the only thing we know to talk about or complain about is what's happening inside these four walls. And that's not the heart of the gospel and that's not the heart of God. We've been talking about this idea that hope really is for everyone. Uh, in week one, we talked about this idea that we can have hope even in the midst of our disappointment, that we can love God and also be disappointed with Him uh, in, the same t- in the same breath at the same time. Awesome. You are the best. Yes. Thanks, honey. Mm. Whoo. Man, <clears throat> if you're new, come back. I'm not usually sick every Sunday. <coughs> Let me just collect my thoughts here for a second. <sighs> I know, and you're all like, I'm so glad it's not me up there, right? This is my worst nightmare come true, right? Nah, it'll be fine. Um, and do we really believe that there is actually hope for everyone? So we talked about hope and disappointment, hope when plan A turns into plan B, And last we talked about Joseph, right? The fact that we can have hope in the midst of facing our fears. And and I wonder, as a church here in Salem at RCC, but also in America, is the church doing its job and being agents of hope? Sometimes it's easy for the church to lose its purpose. I don't know why this story is true, but it exists, so I'll tell you. Uh, There's a church down south, uh, somewhere around Atlanta, and they were doing this outreach event, and they had chicken there, and people loved it, and so they decided to sell it more uh, throughout the week, a couple nights throughout the week, and people really loved it, and long story short, this little church sort of shut down and became like a chicken shop, right? A fast food restaurant for, for its community. They lost its purpose. I remember in college, I had to read this book called Simple Church, and the first, um, I believe it was the first chapter, the, the author talked about how Starbucks actually shut its doors for one day because it, it was when, this is like back in the day, when they were introducing breakfast sandwiches, and so when customers came in, they uh, smelled the breakfast sandwiches over the coffee, and so coffee sales were going down, and so people were like, are you are you a breakfast sandwich business or are you a coffee business? And it's easy for organizations and even the church to sort of lose their way and to lose their purpose. Does, do we believe that there is, there is hope for everyone without labels or strings attached? Uh, to be honest with you, friends, some of our friends don't believe that. Uh, th- they, they might believe there is hope, but only for a few, Right? Or if there is hope, it's only for those who have a certain set of doctrinal statements. Uh, Or maybe there's hope, but it's only for white middle-class America. Or if there is hope, maybe it's only for the healthy and the wealthy. But is there really hope for everybody? Um, I remember uh, talking to folks here that I, I I just get a sense that People really want to come to church. People really want to come to this church. People like this church that don't even go here. Uh, That's the kind of credibility you have in the community. But 
the conversations that I have is they, they're just like, I've just, I don't know if I'm ready yet, right? I don't, I don't know if I walk through the doors, if the ceiling's going to cave in uh, because I walked in with my family. We haven't been there forever. You know, God is constantly reminding us that the church exists to be agents of hope, right? He, he sort of set up this whole deal through Abraham back in Genesis <coughs> excuse me, chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, uh, when the writer says, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, uh, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Friends, God chose the Israelites to reveal himself to and to show his love through them. The church exists for us to show God's love to the world and to our friends, and he does that through us. Think about that. God's not interested in us doing ministry for him. He wants us to do ministry with him. It's, it, it's an it, it's a, um, it, afternoon stroll sort of conversation. It's a with sort of deal. And it's not a taskmaster sort of deal that, that God wants us to do ministry with him. And when he tells Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation, and you're going to bless people, and you're going to do it, I'm going to do it through you, it's an invitation for us to do that, even today as a church. Um, but as you read the Old Testament, you get a sense that um, God's people, uh, they turned into hoarders of God's love rather than carriers of it. Man, ooh, is it hot in here? <laughs> I think sometimes churches that lose their way become hoarders of God's love instead of carriers of it. And um, you can't come in our doors unless, you know, you're this or that or this or that. And, and you, you just don't get that reading the scriptures. You get the sense that, that hope is for everyone and that God uses his people to show his love to the world with no strings attached. I mean, you think about the Christmas story, and we're going to look at the Magi and the shepherds, uh, just, how <laughs> just how different and how um, th they were not in the in crowd by any stretch of the imagination, right? In Matthew 2, 1 through, uh, 1 and 1 through 2, Matthew says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose and came to worship him. Now that's, that's something we just kind of take at face value, but it's really critical. It's kind of even offensive in the first century that the Magi would even get to be a piece of the Christmas story. Listen to R.T. Fr France and what he says in the Gospel of Matthew. Magi, <coughs> excuse me, Magi in Persia played an important role in advising the king. 
but were more widely known as learned men who specialized in astrology and the interpretation of dreams, and in some cases, the magical arts. Magi were found all over the Roman world, but were specifically associated with Babylonia, and that is the most likely meaning of the term the East when written from the point of view of the Palestine. Now, the Magi were scientists, astrologers, in some cases, even men involved in magical arts. And if you do a quick history lesson about the Magi and and the Jews and their belief in the Magi, uh, they were considered some of those kinds of people. When you read the Gospel of John, right, and Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman, Jews don't associate with Samaritan. It's sort of that. It's sort of that racism. It's sort of that nationalism that goes on, right? But <clears throat> consider what he also says later in his book. It is therefore remarkable that uh, it is therefore remarkable to find Matthew introducing Magi into his story without any sign of disapproval. Now check this out. To have the king of the Jews recognized and honored first, not by his own people, but by representatives of the many who were later to come from the east and the west to take their place in the kingdom of heaven, appropriately set the scene for the ministry of the Israelite Messiah, who would both be rejected by his own people and sent out uh, and send out his disciples to all nations. Isn't that beautiful? And then one more sentence, he says, Matthew may well have included this story to bring out the truth that Jesus is Lord, is Lord of all peoples. Isn't that beautiful? That the Magi, the outcasts, right? Not part of the Israelite community get to be part of the Christmas story. And it's a reminder that Jesus is Lord of all peoples. How many? All. What kind of people? Why don't we start labeling? All people. From the very beginning of Jesus' story, we're reminded that there is actually hope for everyone. Not just for Jews, not just for Israelites, not just for those who jump through the hoops and follow the rules and do all the right things. Hope is for everyone. What a beautiful message at Christmas time. Now let me ask you guys a question. Just kind of uh, think about this. Do you know anyone who's lost hope in Jesus uh, or the church, maybe in this last year? Do you know anyone that's lost hope in Jesus or the local church this past year? Um, maybe, maybe it's time for us to be reminded uh, as to why we exist, to be hope, to give hope, that we get to be uh, carriers change agents, not hoarders of God's hope. That we get to be deliverers of God's love. That when we love people and give people hope, God is moving through us as we walk with him. What a beautiful sort of deep breath, glorious idea. Now, I also want to talk about uh, the shepherds. Because uh, that was another group that was sort of outcasted uh, in, the, in the Christmas story. In Luke 2, 8 through 10, uh, Luke writes, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Uh, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all people. Now, this is what's interesting about this text, right? In Matthew's story, we're told about magi from the east, the Gentile astrologers who played around with magical art, right? But now we're in the book of Luke, and Luke opens the, uh, the birth of Jesus with a story about shepherds, another group of people that were considered the outcasts. In his book, The Gospel of Luke, Leon Morris writes these words, As a class of shepherds, um, as a class, shepherds had a bad reputation. The nature of their calling kept them from observing the ceremonial law, which meant so much to religious people. They were considered unreliable, and they were not allowed to give testimony in the law of courts because they became, because they came from such a despised class. What did God tell Abraham, friends? I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless the entire world. I am going to bring hope to everyone. Do we believe that as a church? Or have we become stingy and greedy and selfish hoarders of God's hope and no longer allow it to flow through us in our everyday lives? Let me ask you a question and challenge you with this. Uh, whom, do you need, whom do you need to take hope to? Do you have somebody in your life that needs hope, right? And, and maybe, it's, maybe it is salvation. Maybe, maybe they're not saved and they don't know Jesus, and, and that would be great if you shared that with them. But is there, is there a struggling mom, a family, an, an, a neighbor, uh, a coworker who really needs hope? Um, because I think a lot of people that I talked to over the last year and a half since I've been here think that they have to come to church to get hope. And God's like, no, 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 you're the church. Go out and give it. Quit being a hoarder of it, right? Be, be, a, be a change agent. Be a hope dealer this Christmas. And, and might, might it be a simple invitation to Christmas Eve services here? It, it may be. I, I don't know. It, it may not. But, but it might be an encouragement. Uh, it, it might be a conversation with somebody, a cup of coffee, taking a family out, uh, may, maybe paying someone's utility bill that's really struggling right now. What does it look like to be an agent of hope? What does it look like to be a church where we don't wait for people to come here, but we go out and be agents of hope? That we believe with this idea deep in our bones from Genesis chapter 12, that there really is hope for everyone. No labels, no strings attached. That is the Christmas story. Jesus, we thank you so much for um, this beautiful gift of hope that you give us, um, that you have uh, not forgotten us. And uh, God, we, we pray that you would remind us again if we've forgotten just how good your hope is and your grace is. Uh, help us not to be a church that hoards it to ourselves, uh, but but as a church that that is a carrier of hope and love and grace, that, that we might give this these beautiful truths out this Christmas season. We live in a community that, for many of them, have their minds made up of what church is, 
whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Their mind is made up. And so, God, I, I pray for my friends here that instead of waiting for them to come, that we would just go blow their minds and be agents of hope in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, where we work, where we play, where we rest. Um, remind us again how good the gospel story is and the hope that it gives us and to our friends. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.